But yeah, they they encouraged me, you know, because I was like, oh, I don't know. And then they were like, no, that was good. You should keep going. And then ever since then, um, I started looking for open mics. I honestly think they thought I was going to sing or something. <laughs> like I could tell it was just like, whoa, you looked very shy when you came up and then you just started rapping, you know. A lot of male artists will receive that encouragement just based on their gender. Mm. You know, there's just a higher level of encouragement of like, oh yeah, you belong here. Whereas yeah. a lot of us women have to fight just to get that sense that we belong here. And often it's based on the merit of our talent rather than the merit of just showing up in the room. What's up, Culture Keepers? This is Deborah Ashe with You Are a Culture Keeper podcast. Today's guest is Verde. She's a young Latina hip-hop artist based out of San Diego, California. She's super sweet off stage, as you'll hear, but when she gets on the mic, she is fierce. Not only that, she researches her topics, which include supporting other women, calling out abusers in the community, and ending child trafficking. She's a producer who makes her own beats, and she also has an awesome line of clothing, including the Don't Be Racist line of shirts that I'm so addicted to. They're so popular in Southern California right now. She's well sought after and is involved in and collaborates in multiple projects, including Las Zapatistas, The Neighborhood Kids, Kim Bird, Verde Hip Hop, Amon the MC, Nicole McFly, you can find her at Verde Hip Hop on Instagram and all major platforms. And as always, all of our guest contact info, as always, all of our guest contact info can be found in the show notes. Visit us on youareaculturekeeper.com for that and ways to connect with community. Please share your favorite episode with a friend and drop a multi-starred glowing review on any of your preferred listening platforms. Here we go. All right. Hi, Verde. Hello. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> ¿Cómo estás tú? Muy bien. Ah, know. qué bien. <laughs> so we're going to have this conversation in English and Spanish. We'll riff a little bit here and there. So I just want to say how wonderful it was to meet you last year. It was at the Tianguis in San mm -hmm. Diego. Can you tell me a little bit more about that event? Yes. So the Tianguis is every month, I believe every first Thursday, I want to say. Um, and they always do it. They always do some live music, which is super cool as well. And just a bunch of different vendors that make handmade items like clothes and jewelry and art. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's like a beautiful marketplace. And it's in Balboa Park. And it's at the cultural center, correct? Mm -hmm. yes. yes. So it's those two round buildings. So yeah, so I'm actually wearing one of your shirts because I love your messages. And it says, don't be racist. Simple, pure messages. Um, there's just so many things that you're doing. I'm just so impressed. And I loved your energy. And I was like, 
I'm starting a podcast. I want to interview you. And so here's the day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a bit more about you because you are new to me, but I love your energy. I don't know what you're doing, but I know <laughs> there's so much you're up to. You've got the clothing line. You're a hip hop artist. Tell us a little bit more. Okay. So um, I started making clothing. I think it's been like a year, I want to say now, but it's been a journey. Uh, I definitely want the clothing to also have a message because um, the music has a message and I'm all about the lyrics. And yeah, so I do the clothing. I do the performing. I also do like beats and stuff. Um, and I also have a band called The Neighborhood Kids. And um, it's partnered with my boyfriend. He's the other vocalist. And then we have drums, bass, and guitar. And then um, that's what we've been doing um, and working on the album, working on our individual albums, and then um, hopefully dropping that this year. And yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. And I met him that day. Um, at the Tianguis. Can you remind me of his name and his, his artist name? Yes. Uh, his name is Amon. So he goes by Amon the MC when nice. he raps. Amon the MC. Yes. Awesome. Amon the MC. Yeah. Awesome. So you guys have been, you've been having a lot of shows. I've been following your social media and you just, you're fierce. You rock the <laughs> mic so hard. And just every time I hear you, you just, I get so excited because like your message is so beautiful and so strong and so fierce. And I just, can you tell me more about your work as an artist and your yes. message? Yes, definitely. Um, I really want to reach everyone, like a whole audience, but like talking about things that people don't really want to talk about, like, um, like women, uh, me and my boyfriend actually finished a song and it's it's about kids being like uh, trafficked, which is a topic that I feel like people don't want to talk about because they they want to make it seem like it's not happening or stuff. So it does take a toll on us because I feel like having to think about that, having to do research on like, let's say, you know, that topic, kids being trafficked, you have to do your research, you have to like, read on things you have to watch documentaries and you know it's sad to say but it is it is happening so mm -hmm. I do like to include a lot of things that aren't being like talked about or it's like too political like I don't know what you want to call it but that's what I hope to reach for and like for the youth to hear that and that's what's really important to me is like the upcoming generations that are coming, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I really respect that. I really, that's what I love about your work because I'm going to be honest. I have just not found that many people in Southern California yet outside of LA that have a message that's sociopolitical and that's what I'm all about too. And that's what this podcast is all about. And I just really respect you doing your research and having the heart to, to do like what you're saying, to do the hard work that not everyone else is willing to do. Other people know that it's there, but they want to turn away from it and you're facing it. And that shadow work 
this is, this is alchemy. Like this is to me, why artists are so important is because they are facing the shadow of humanity and they are alchemizing it into something that's more palatable, you know? And I just immediately respect what you, what you're doing. And I just want to thank you because not everybody has the stomach for it. Yeah. And you're making it palatable. And it's not like you're sugarcoating it or whitewashing it. The message is concentrated into something that you can actually dance to as well. Like that's fucking amazing, you know? Yeah. So thank you. So years ago on NPR, they had a really good expose of the murders that were happening in the northern border towns in Mexico. And there was an incredible woman named Diana who went by Diana the Huntress, La Casadora. And she was basically fighting back against these murders that were being swept under the rug by the police department that were being just completely not handled. I don't know if you heard about this, you know, this particular woman, but they found that it was uh, women that worked in the fabricas Mm -hmm. that were being murdered at like early hours. They were like going on the bus system to work and coming back from work and they were being murdered and they traced it back to the bus drivers um, that they, but nobody was doing anything about it. And this woman, Diana, she came on with sunglasses and a hat and a wig and she got on the bus and she shot the bus driver in the face. And she was like, before she shot him, she said in his ear, tu, tu, tu te creas muy chingón. You know, you think you're so fucking great. And I just, I'm going to see if I can find that show and put it in the, in the liner notes because I started writing a song about that in Espanol and your message that you just said reminded me it's time to, to bring that, that one out again. So mm-hmm. I just love how art as artists, you know, when we find our tribe, when we're true to our message, the way you are, that's what I really respect about you is like you know what you want to say and you say it with full heart and you're not what I see in you is that you're not trying to be anyone else you're not trying to package it's like take it or leave it if you don't like this move on you know you can go listen to some pop music but this is a message and it's like you're just so much power and I really see that and I just that's why I wanted to have you come on because what you're doing is so important thank you so authentic. Thank you. Thank you for uh, uh, realizing. I feel like we all have that power, you know, so like, I don't ever want to seem like I'm better than anyone. Like, I feel like everyone is like the same and you could spread that message in a different way. It doesn't even have to be music. It could be dance. It could be a uh, cooking, you know, it could be anything, but it's really what your passion is, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. I love having conversations like this with many different types of artists. And yeah, I mean, we have people on the show that are chefs as well. And it's, you know, permaculture gardeners. We have people that are guitarists. We have, you know, it's just however you do your thing, if you're being authentic Mm -hmm. and you are upholding culture in some way, we need you. 
You know, we need you in this life. We all need each other. There's so many different ways that each one of us and each one of you that are listening, you are a culture keeper too. Every single one of us gets to, we have an opportunity to express what we see in our own authentic way. And there's a tribe for every single one of us on this planet. So um, tell us a little bit more about your recent show. Yeah, so the recent show was the Neto Zapatista. So every year they do a, um, I think it's various events that go on like in the month of December, if I'm not wrong. But um, the Centro has these every year and it's celebrating the Zapatistas. So I also have a group with um, Nicole McFly and Kimbird, two powerful women Um, And we have another group that's called Las Zapatistas. And um, it's just a powerhouse like Nicole, she sings really well, and she's really powerful. And all her music is just in Spanish. And it's really powerful. And our homegirl Kimbird, she's super powerful as well. And I like how all three of us have that like, um, fuse in the lyrics, even though all three of us make like different music. It's just, um, it's really special and it's really special doing it with women and doing it at the Centro is really powerful as well. Yeah, I saw some of the footage of that show and it's so incredible, so explosive, so much energy. I don't want to say the word powerful again because you already said it, but it was fucking powerful. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yes. So... When you're producing an event like that, what kind of team does it take? Um, well, that event is is hosted by the Centro, like the committee of the Centro. But doing these events, I mean, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of courage. Like at that show, we actually brought more women into the set and we actually planned out on exposing this man that took advantage of one of my friends and we exposed him right then and there because that man does shows at the centro. So that took, that took courage. It took, it took energy. Like last minute I was just like, Oh, like I'm very nervous to do this because Mm -hmm. you know, you don't, you never know how people are going to take stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But you know, like you want to reach out for help. No one wants to hear you. So I'm going to bring it to you. And they didn't know we were going to do that, you know, so. That's badass. Yeah. That's powerful. That's community organizing right there. Yes. Thank you for, thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Yeah, that was so important. It's so important to call people out. Yeah. And to let community know, hey, you are supporting somebody that is hurting people. Mm Mm-hmm. This yeah. person is destructive to this community. Exactly. They need, to, they need to go. Exactly. And that was that was happening for like two years, you know, and that guy was having like shows there and being a part of like the Centro, being part of the World Beat Center, being part of these community events. Mm-hmm. When you took advantage of a like a 16 year old girl, you know, and uh, this man's like, in his late thirties now, you know, that's disgusting. So we had a, we had to do something and uh, we planned that out to do it that day and have like 
a bunch of women just mm-hmm. right there in solitude next to us. And she got to share her testimony, which is wow, really good. Yeah. That's so powerful <laughs> for her to be witnessed in a community. Yeah. In that way. I'm yeah. so sorry that she had, that she was a victim of this person. Yeah. You have to be vulnerable to like even do that, you know, cause it takes a lot of, a lot of balls, a lot of courage, you know, to do it, but she managed to do it. And I'm really proud of her. Yeah. You know, one of the things when I was studying psychology and I was studying to be a therapist, one of the things I learned is that is so healing. It's one of the hallmarks of healing is to be witnessed by, by someone else. And when you tell your story to be witnessed in a neutral way is healing, but to be witnessed in a compassionate way, in a way of support is incredibly healing. So what your community provided that day, you have no idea how that could shift that person's perspective. And it's just a reminder to all of us that when we just listen to each other, talk story, especially if it's a vulnerable story like that, how healing, how deeply healing it is for that person. And not only for that person, but for the choices that they make from that healing generations Mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. So what you provided for her is really a service to not only her, but the community that's living now and the communities in the future. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Such wisdom. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing this. It's amazing how it's our stories of vulnerability that's that can really lead to these moments of power, you know, because you all rocked the fucking stage. (laughs) You really did. Thank you. I mean, that was alchemy there. (laughs) Yes. There's the most beautiful bird in the background. Can you see it? Can you tell what it, it sounds like a mockingbird. I could definitely hear it. I don't, I don't think I could see it. So, um, With that, I know it's a bit obvious for two women to be sitting here talking about music, but I'm going to go there. Can we talk about women in music? Yes. Yes. Let's, let's talk about this. Okay. What comes up for you when I say women in music? Ooh, a lot of things, a lot of things that actually really upset me too. Let's hear it. Well, I've, I mean, I've been, I haven't been doing this for long, but I have started music since 2017 Mm -hmm. um and ever since then i always got the question like um or not the question but more like the statement you know i tell someone hey like i make music and they're like ah like what what type of music and then when i bring up hip-hop um a lot of people kind of doubt it or don't know exactly where I'm going with that, like, almost like, you know, how hip hop, at least for my family, it has always been looked down upon, because, um, you know, I come from a very, very Mexican family that I did not grow up with hip hop. It was just like, oh, you know, that's talking about drugs and sex and 
um, all types of stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's how my family sees it. So mm-hmm. I definitely think when I tell like elders, like, hey, I, oh, I make hip hop, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like looked upon like, oh, you're a woman, though, you know, like um, mm-hmm. or like just so many different people have given me um, a different answer that is just it's very saddening, you know, I'd say because it's uh mm-hmm. It's just like uh, you doubt me and then you see me live and then you're like, oh, like, I want to collab with you. And like, you know, no, you just like you just kind of looked down on me like not that long ago. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like I had a really beautiful conversation, really powerful conversation with um, my friend who was a guest on the podcast a few weeks ago, Suleiman Hyatt. And we talked about um, unpacking, you know, privilege and unpacking the social dynamics of cis male, female, uh, you know, relationships, friendships, conversations, et cetera. And um, one of the things that we were talking about, he actually really brought this up was that a lot of men, uh, cis men will like extract from the women in their lives. And to me, that conversation you're talking about, you know, you didn't say if it was a male female interaction, but it just brought up that memory of the conversation where somebody's not believing in you based on your gender. Mm-hmm. And then they see you rock the mic and crush it. And then they want to collaborate with you. They're like, oh, actually, and it's like, why didn't you just maybe do what you would do with a male artist who says I'm a hip hop artist and be like, oh, Let's hear what you do about, and maybe we can collaborate together. Like, like I, I've had that experience as well, and I'm not a hip hop artist, but to hear you say that, it's just so validating for so many of us who have had that experience yeah. of, of having to prove our worth because gender was seen as an obstacle. Yes. Yeah. It just happens so often, even like, now it happens you know way back then when I first started and it continues and it's very unfortunate that that people think oh just because I'm a girl like I can't I can't rap or I can't like do you know like but how you're saying it happens within every little thing it's like oh you need to prove like your worth or you know what I mean yeah. I mean, don't get me started on the jazz community here. Oh. <laughs> it's like a good old boys network and the ones that like make it in that, you know, it's just, it's interesting. You know, I had to stop going to an event that I really, really enjoy because that the host was just clearly not an ally and I wasn't expecting it because this was a person of color. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's an assumption that's made by a lot of white people that's just because somebody is a person of color or they're somehow more woke, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it depends on the access that we have to information around privilege and, mm-hmm. you know, male privilege, you know, you can be a man of color and still have more privilege than a, than a woman, for example, yeah. in certain arenas. Right. Yeah. I mean, so it brings up the um, conversation of, how do we use our privilege in ways that can support communities that, let me speak for myself. So as a European American, that's how I identify now. I don't, I don't prefer the term white, 
because white is not a race. It's not a culture, you know? Yeah. So, and even more specifically, Europe, Europe is an entire continent. So I identify as Celtic American because most of my people are from the Celtic people. But as a person who's perceived as white uh, because of my melanation and lack of melanation and skin tone, um, I have certain privileges that are granted to me that are not earned, right? I mean, I'm, I'm saying, I'm preaching to the choir here. You know what I'm talking about, but I'm saying this for, as a conversation for all the listeners too, just to make a point that of course now I'm like, oh, now I've just totally stolen the mic and I'm talking too long, but <laughs> I apologize. No, no. But um, the conversation is around how do I, instead of shaming myself for those privileges that are granted to me by society unearned, how do I, how do I continue to have awareness of those privileges that are granted to me and better yet, instead of staying stuck in shame, how do I graciously, humbly use those privileges to support communities that might not be given those privileges freely? And as a woman, there are certain, um, privileges that I might experience, or there are certain prejudices that I might experience. And as a black man, there might be certain experiences. And as a, you know, um, white male who is, uh, who identifies as gay, there Mm -hmm. are certain privileges. So we all have like hierarchies, right? And, and those hierarchies shift given the community that we're in or the space that we're in at that time. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm, it's a long conversation that I'm bringing up here, but the things that you're talking about are bringing these up again for me, like how important it is for us all to look at this hierarchy in a way where we can use it to support each other and use it to bring awareness to each other. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually starting to use the words like in conversation with other people, when we're unpacking this stuff, I'm starting to use racism and sexism less as labels for problematic behavior. And I'm saying, instead, I'm talking about colonizing and decolonizing our thinking, because we're all in this together. Humanity is all in this healing process together. Right? Yeah. So I love these conversations and I'm, I'm here for it. Like, I love that you are going deep and you are exposing these things because it's so, so important that we all support each other in our honesty and our authentic voices. So thank you for your authenticity around this. No, thank you. Thank you for, you know, like speaking up on it too, because you're saying, you know, like, the privilege thing, but here you, you are talking about it, you know, like that's all that matters. You know, I think, uh, I think it should stop being this whole like division thing. Like, I feel like if you're spreading love, spreading awareness and, and, you know, doing your part, like it's, it's all good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's more to, you know, the experience that you were, you were talking about, um, you know, where that individual, you know, the example of an individual, like not believing in your talent as a hip hop artist, sight unseen. And then when they see you finally, 
they want to collaborate with you, Mm -hmm. but that's the part that feels so extractive, you know, because like, they're not really offering you something. They want to take something because they see your talent. Yes. And it's like, well, what have you done for me lately? As Janet Jackson would say. (laughs) Exactly. No. And it's, it, it's kind of the fault also of the mainstream, like what is, what is produced out of the mainstream artists that are like on the radio and stuff. It's like, they are degrading women. They are like doing all these, like talking about drugs, talking about violence, you know, gun violence, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, that's what it's made us like believe. Mm -hmm. And that's why people kind of like, think you're gonna like talk about those things and then Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah 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 and also that reminds me of something that came up in my mind but I didn't say this out loud earlier in the conversation like I dropped a couple f-bombs and that was an assumption on my part so that's just the way I grew up like I'm very colorful with my language but Mm -hmm. not everybody's comfortable with that and I apologize because I didn't check in with you about that ahead of time and I have this show marked as explicit But that doesn't mean that every guest wants to hear that, you know, so I apologize. And again, I'm going to call myself out like that's an example of privilege that that me as a white woman that has this podcast um, feels comfortable dropping some F-bombs. You know, it's like that's a form of exercising privilege, you know, that there might be another person who has a podcast that might be a, a woman of color that feels that she can't chance that losing, you know, losing some listeners due to that. Mm-hmm. So just these are the honest conversations we need to have with ourselves too. It's like, hey, I didn't actually need to do that. You know, like, what am I trying to do? Like be cool or something? Cause you're a hip hop <laughs> artist, you know, like, what is that? <laughs> no, don't worry. I mean, it. honestly, like that's the way I talk a lot, but um, I apologize cause oh, we didn't a- check in about that. So. <laughs> That brings me to another question, though. How do you feel about, you know, cursing? Is that something that you've decided not to do? Or, like, do you do that at all? Or <laughs> I honestly, I do that in regular conversation. But when I do, uh, like, songwriting, I feel like that is filler. Like, you don't need to, like, use uh, words like that. And also, I do feel like there is words that have, like, bad intention in it like I always talk about this and I and I love talking about it because some people disagree with me some people agree with me but it's my personal opinion but I I feel like we should cancel the word bitch because it's like I feel like it has negative intention and the word derived from like stepping on a woman basically just like you know disgracing a woman And I choose, like, I really can't stand that word. But like, I feel like everyone has their own opinion. And if you if you say it, that's cool. But like, if you're talking to me, and you Mm -hmm. start saying, Oh, hey, bitch, or something like, no, like, Mm -hmm. that's not gonna fly, you know. Mm -mm. But I, I feel like cussing is like expressive. But I really do feel like in song and stuff, it's like, filler and I and I feel like also if kids are kind of listening that I wouldn't want to like 
say things like that, you know? Like, I always think about, like, hey, can I show this song to a kid, you know? Mm -hmm. But some things, you know, like, for example, what we're talking about earlier, like, child trafficking, I don't, I wouldn't want to, like, have a kid listen to that, but I do feel like that's something that needs to be talked about. So it's like, yeah, it, it goes in and out uh, on whether like you could show that to a kid, you know? Yeah. And every song is different. Every song is like its own world. Right. So right. you can choose. I mean, for example, I think of like LL Cool J, like he had songs that were hard hitting and were like Bristol Hotel is about like hookers, et cetera. And like the, 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 the neighborhood and like, then he's got like, I need love, you know, it's like a love song. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Every, every song can be in its own island. Right. Yeah. And when, after I, after my last F-bomb I dropped in this conversation, I was like, you know, Verde's family might want to listen to this and like, they might not want to hear this, you know, so sorry, family, disculpa. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. <laughs> so I would love to hear a bit more if there's any other residue, I'm sure there's plenty of stories we can all tell about being female in this, in the music industry, basically. Um, one thing that comes to mind is that there seem to be a set of rules, you know, and that when we make our own rules, when we make our own productions, things just seem to be a lot more fun. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Like being like independent? Yeah, that and uh, it just feels like the industry is so, we have hip hop artists that are huge and the majority of them are female, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we've got, it just seems like there's such a disparity between when you're really high up there Mm -hmm. and like when you're an independent artist and you're, you're trying to make it on your own. I'm not sure quite what I want to say, but I'm curious if you have any thoughts on this too. Yeah. I don't know if this has to do with it, but I've noticed that like everything's very overly sexualized in the industry, like how they, how it's like perceived, um, like the higher up female hip hop artists, um, I feel like it's very overly like sexualized. Like you see these women and it's like, you just think about that, you know, like Mm -hmm. sex. And um, Mm -hmm. I really dislike that because it just like these little kids are, are going to listen to that. And then like, I think of like Cardi B and stuff, how she has like children. And then I think, she has a daughter, you know, like when she grows up, what do you think she's gonna think, you know? So I think a lot about that and how it's very overly sexualized, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking about Cardi B with my partner last night. And it's like, there's, it, I was saying how interesting it is that most of the artists that I listen to now, I just, it's interesting how I didn't like them at first. Or there was something edgy about them at first. Like I think of Deant Word out of South Africa. Like I did, I was like, they are so freaking weird. They're so <laughs> weird, but they're so authentically themselves that they went 
huge right mm-hmm. and then like they created their own genre and everything Zeph and like and then I think of Cardi B and I was like I just it took me a long time to get into her you yeah. know because I grew up feminist and I grew up with but then there's this whole sex positive vibe too like I'm 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 all about that too and I know I'm not speaking for you I'm speaking for myself here but like I want us as women to be able to own our sexuality on our terms and however we want to express ourselves is great if some women don't want to wear body conscious clothing etc and flaunt their sexiness publicly I totally respect that but there's something edgy about how Cardi B is totally herself she gets two fucks basically (laughs) like she just and I really, really respect that. And it's like, I might, I don't, I don't need to express myself that way publicly, mm-hmm. but like, I also really respect that she's totally herself. She started from the bottom. She, she like made her, she's a mogul. Like she made her millions by being herself completely, you know? And I've seen, I've seen, she's done a lot of work on herself too. Like she's done a lot of like anchor management and stuff. She talks about that in her uh, Netflix special uh, about, uh, you know, where she's a, where they're like, it's the one like DJ Smoke one. Sorry, spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, Is it, this is hip hop? I don't remember the name of the, the, um, it's a Netflix. Rhythm of Flow? Yes, that one. Yes. Yes. That one, the DJ Smoke one. Did you see the whole thing? Yes, I did see the whole thing. <laughs> so good. He's so good. Yeah, he's really There were some amazing <laughs> artists on that. So, okay, that brings me to my next thing. Before we hop into like some of your, some of the people that you enjoy listening to, like especially some of the female role models in the music industry, it doesn't have to be just hip hop. Like, is there anything else you want to say about what we were just talking about? No, it's okay. Okay. Let's, I would love to hear some of the, the people that you feel like are, are interesting in some way. And it could be anyone like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Male or female too. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, (laughs) I, I recently started, uh, looking into this female artist that goes by some Sampa the great, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but it's S A M P A the great. And she is really, really dope. She like I just found out about her uh, through YouTube. Um, so she's really dope. But before that, I mean, some dope female artists that I've really liked is Ladybug from uh, Diggable Planets. I really like her. I really yeah, like I her. Yeah, I love Diggable Planets itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I like her. I like um, Cy Rock. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but it's S-A-R-O-C. And she's really, really powerful, too. Um, But the first few people that I started listening to was um, Flatbush Zombies and, like, Joey Badass and Pro Era, like, the conscious era of Mm -hmm. when they first started. That's what really got me, like, hooked onto hip-hop. Yeah, um, I'm going to put some of those artists in the show notes, too. Um, But what got you into hip hop? Definitely those artists that I started listening to in, I want to say, high school. 
And I got really into it once I heard them from my my friend's my friend's phone. She played uh, Flatbush Zombies, like their whole album, and I just fell in love. And that was one of the reasons I fell in love because I didn't start listening to hip hop till later on. Like I want to say, like senior year, twelfth grade, you know, and. Like I said, my mom would never let us listen to hip hop. Like uh, she looked very down on it. And what got me into it, though, was that I had two friends that they would always freestyle. And um, I thought it was like poetry at first. I didn't know what they were doing, to be honest with you. And uh, ever since that day, I just I just went home and wrote my own like poem if you will and i put it on a beat and honestly that's how that's how it all started because i didn't even know what that was i thought it was like poetry that they were doing Mm -hmm. but it ended up being like oh that's hip-hop you know but it sounds silly you know (laughs) it sounds silly being like what is that but that's how that's how it was you know Mm -hmm. that's so cool so (laughs) how did you get from that beginning stage of the seed of inspiration to your amazing flow and energy now like how much did you have to practice like how many like did you have mentorship or was it like your crew like you guys passed the mic and like shared just inspiration and energy with each other like how did that how did how did that evolve and like did you kind of learn on your feet falling forward doing shows like I'm so curious about that part. <laughs> yeah, well, so it first started with them, like doing like little like cipher things and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, outside and just randomly like they'll just start freestyling. And I noticed that it's freestyling because it's like about what's going on. And then once I wrote my first thing, I showed it to that group of friends and they were like, whoa, that's that's pretty good, which it wasn't you know at the time it was very just like (laughs) abstract like chance the rapper type like cool you know (laughs) but um but yeah they they encouraged me you know because I was like I don't know and then they were like no that was good you should keep going and then ever since then um I started looking for open mics and the first open mic I went to was in Queen Bee's and I nice. like I wrote a song and then I I was really, really nervous. I remember to to perform it. And once I did, like I honestly think they thought I was gonna sing or something. And then like when I started rapping, like people were like, whoa, that's <laughs> like I could tell it was just like, whoa, you looked very shy when you came up and then you just started rapping, you know? So fierce. So I love that. Thank you. And ever since then, I just always wanted to include like the it wasn't like this, though, from the beginning. It was more like conscious, like, oh, third eye, you know, things. And then um, Mm -hmm. and then obviously I evolved with practicing and not getting nervous, you know, Mm -hmm. before doing things. But it took it took time. It didn't, it wasn't just like, Oh, I'm good immediately. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Thank you. And, and what I actually, in my notes, I wrote encouragement. That's so important, right? Yes. That made a huge difference for me when I was starting out too. Like it pushes you to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like that message of you should keep going. You should pursue this is so important for us all to hear. Yes, honestly. And I think going back to the conversation earlier, it's like a lot of male artists will receive that encouragement just based on their gender. Mm. You know, there's just a higher level of encouragement of like, oh yeah, you belong here. Whereas a lot of us women have to fight just to get that sense that we belong here. Mm -hmm. And often it's based on the merit of our talent rather than the merit of just showing up in the room. And that's the difference of privilege. No, that's true. That's a great way to put it. I didn't even, that was perfect. (laughs) I I just, it just came to me. I don't know. I don't know who (laughs) says these things. (laughs) Um, So that being said, I imagine that you have become like a mentor in the community that some, somebody that people look up to, you know, the fact that you started in 2017, I know you say that that wasn't that long ago. And in some eyes, that's true, but you know, that's a good amount of time. (laughs) It's 2022 now, you know, that's five years. Yeah. You know, (laughs) it's a good amount of time. You know, like Malcolm Gladwell, best-selling author of The Tipping Point and Blink and all these other things, he's, you know, he says that by the time we have 10 years in our craft, whatever it is in our lives, that we have reached a level of mastery where we are, you know, somebody who specializes in what we do, you know, so I, I just am curious if you have a sense of how you hold space for other artists, you know, and do you have a focus on the types of um, people that you want to um, inspire? And, you know, how do you like to encourage other other people? Um, definitely what we were talking about earlier, just giving them that extra push, because I, I genuinely feel that everyone has like the potential to do anything, like literally their passion, but it just takes that extra like mile. I feel like when you're working a nine to five, it might be hard to to follow that because you're put in this perspective like, oh, like this is kind of like, oh, you can get accepted anywhere with minimum wage. And, you know, like any average person could have that. But I do feel like it takes them that extra mile to be like, no, I, I'm not this. I have to follow my dreams, you know? And I, I really wish that everyone could understand that because I quit my job like uh, 20... 18 or 19 I want to say and um because it was very toxic you know and I feel like everyone should know that they have the control to do anything like Mm -hmm. they have the control to quit their job or follow their dreams like you do and but some people like it's like oh no I have to do this when you don't have to do anything in this life, you know? So I, I really hope I could encourage people to, to follow their passion and, and not follow their parents' passion or society's like dream, you know, like 
I think it shouldn't be normalized like that, you know? What part shouldn't be normalized? I just I feel like with you. <laughs> I just feel like the nine to five and the uh, you know, like going to school, going to university, and then you know, like I don't like if people don't want to, it should it shouldn't be like, oh, you know, like you look what are you doing? You know, like mm-hmm. I I dropped out of school well in college but it's because my mom wanted me to become a psychologist and like whole other story but I had to 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 follow this because if I was focused on that and going to school for that I was very unhappy I was very filled with toxic you know energy that it doesn't fit with who I am you know so that's why I wish to like encourage people that it's okay to not to not go to college if you really don't want to or to not go to that nine to five that you really hate you know um you shouldn't just do it just because oh like I have no other choice you know like that's not true Yeah, we live in a time where there's so many choices, depending on where you live in the world, of course, depending on the resources that are available to you, of course, I know that having good Wi Fi connection is really important for folks that want to access the renaissance that's happening in this time period. For example, so many folks are starting podcasts and so many folks have YouTube channels or Instagram or TikTok, and they're able to find their tribe and their communities and network with each other through those many media that are out there. So there really is a renaissance going on. And it's interesting because I actually give similar advice to young people that come to me now. I'm like, I totally, I have a college degree. I studied psychology. I was studying to be a therapist Mm -hmm. and I did a year of the master's program. I loved it. It was a lot of work, but it was extremely expensive. And I did the math. I sat down with a couple of financial planners. You know, there was one through my bank that was, uh, you know, a free service. And there was one that was a friend of a friend that gave me a free hour of time. And, you know, I met with a few different people and we crunched the numbers and we were, I was like, I need to take a pause here. The amount of debt that I will accrue is just not sustainable for mm-hmm. the amount of return that I'm going to be getting. And what I tell people now is that if we can get out of thinking of trading our time for an hourly paycheck, even if we're self-employed, I have made the mistake as a self-employed music coach of trading my time for hourly income. Well, I'm that doesn't, then I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not an entrepreneur if I'm trading my time for hourly income, even if my salary is better than anyone would have offered of who I would have worked for in the past, you know, so I was treating myself like an employee if I'm paying myself hourly, but if we, we are at a time in history where we can, it's a renaissance, we can revolutionize the way that we receive income. You know, there are people that are receiving a dollar from each individual that's listening to their podcast or their YouTube channel or their, you know, they have Patreon or what have you. There's so many different ways 
for people to monetize what they're doing nowadays. That being said, I'm an educator. I'm a teacher. I love education. I love learning. I just understand that there's many, many, many different ways of learning, right? So some people feel more comfortable. They know what they want from their college setting. They know, hey, if I get this business degree, then I'll be able to do this, this, and this. The advice that I give um, musicians in particular now is, hey, if you really need to go to college, if you really want to go to college, study business and study music outside of the college setting. That's what I say you know, or study business and get a basic basis for a music education. I'm grateful for the music education that I have. That being said, college was a lot cheaper when I was in school. I was paying $12 a unit at a really good junior college that happened to be in the community I was living in, in Northern California. And then there were grants so that I I think my total each semester was about a hundred dollars for books, you know? Oh, wow. So it's just like you said, like there's just so many different ways to do things nowadays. And we have, we get to balance like security versus freedom. And then, then we get to, to find what our focus is. And it sounds like you knew early on, like your focus is music. And I think a lot of people like myself, I went to college for many, many years. Luckily, it was affordable then because I loved to learn, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to focus on yet. And so I got a great education while I was buying time and I was learning, you know, so I have this rich background, but, you know, the focusing part that you're, you know, really honing in on is so important. Yeah, yeah, because... Education is is key, but um, it it depends how you want to do it. You know, everyone has their has the right to do anything, honestly. So you you could get education from speaking to a wise man or speaking to anything, even to yourself. So education is key. I, I agree with you. And um, however you want to obtain that is is great. Yeah, because it's interesting because. I feel like there's some new schools of thought on that. And there are people that seem to think that they don't need an education of any kind. And I, I, I stall in those conversations because, you know, there's so much excellent free mentorship out there nowadays. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could take workshop after workshop after workshop and get a really interesting idea of what that mentor has to share, you know, and there's lots of ways to get education around, you know, volunteering and trading and apprenticeship. And you don't have to go into debt the way that, that the original model of education was, you know, exactly. Yeah. So I would love to hear a bit more about some of your next projects, your next shows before we wrapped up today, because I really, really want people to experience you and in a non-extractive way, people (laughs) (laughs) and support you. And, um, would love to hear at the end, uh, just drop some of your IG and, you know, some of your handles so that people can stay in touch with you, but more importantly, let's start with your next shows. Okay. Um, the next shows I have, the nearest one is 
the 12th of this month and that'll be a fashion show indigenous owned indigenous clothing like handmade clothing um it's going to be a fashion show in la and yeah that one is this saturday mm -hmm. and then the next one after that i believe is the 20 20 the 19th the 19th and that one will be also in la that one is called black books and rhyme books mm -hmm. and they do it i believe a couple of times a year so that one will be cool i think i'm gonna be opening for afro which is a really dope mc i think he's based in la as well and then the third show i'll be having is gonna be on 222 which is february 22nd um that's gonna be at pokey's uh, the Mexican restaurant. I think it's in downtown, if I'm not mistaken. San and Diego. that's yeah, mm -hmm. that one's hosted by Nicole McFly, and she's gonna have like I think four other bands besides me. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. And that'll be the 22nd. And I think the last one I have this month is gonna be the 26th. The 26th of this month. So February 26th, I'll have um. One is the Chula Vista Brewery. It's going to be in Eastlake. And that one, um, lots of dope people on the lineup as well. That'll nice. be San Diego too. Yeah. Awesome. Anything coming up in March? Oh, the Women's Day show. Okay. That March one, 8th? Yeah, that one's going to be on March 8th. Nice. And um, that one's going to be hosted by by me and my boyfriend and we're gonna be dropping the flyer soon to that one and that one's gonna be at connect san diego awesome so tell us about your handles so we can all stay in touch with you yes so my handles are verde hip-hop uh you can find that on instagram on twitter facebook um and you could find me on verde saving the people on uh, spotify apple music and all streaming platforms for the music awesome thank you so much <laughs> i really really appreciate this conversation with you today thank you for your time and your heart and your fierceness we <laughs> need you, you. So thank you so much thank you for having me